And if those who are going to participate in the reading this morning would like to come up to the microphone here, that would be excellent. Now is the time. Um, I just want to take a minute. As we were singing that song, it occurred to me very strongly that the order matters, that we trust and obey. When we expect obedience, when we feel forced into obedience without any kind of trust, there's not a lot of joy that can come from that. It's just obligation. But if we begin with trust, if we begin with believing, if we begin with uh, the choice that God is good and faithful, if we choose to put our trust there in the hope of a good future, then the obedience makes a lot more sense. And it comes a lot easier to us. So. All right. Well, then let's think about the scriptures we have for this morning. That was just a bonus for you. <laughs> Pastor Brian McLaren says that the Bible is a play with six acts in it. The first act is creator creating creation. A good world that is made for a good purpose. And the second act of the play is a crisis in which human beings begin to distort the goodness of God's world. The third act of the play is a calling, in which God begins to work out a plan to restore that original goodness, to work against the distortion that humans are bringing into the world. The beginning of that plan, of that calling, is for God to call one old, childless couple to be the parents of a whole nation whose job it will be to live out God's original plan for the world. That couple is Abraham and Sarah, and the plan is that they will be the ancestors of a group of people who are blessed to be a blessing, as Mary said. This is a wonderful promise, except for the really weird fact that God gives it when Abraham is 75 and Sarah is 65 which is a little old to be starting a family. And 10 years after God gives this promise, Abraham and Sarah still don't have any children. So Abraham sleeps with one of his servants, a woman named Hagar, and she has a son. Now this seems like super weird and gross to us, but was a completely legitimate way to have a family in the ancient world. This son, Ishmael, is born when Abraham is 86 and Sarah is 76, and they think, we've figured it out. This is how the Lord is going to build our family. But 13 years later, the Lord appears to Abraham again and says that Sarah herself is going to have a baby when she's 90 years old. And Abraham is 100 years old. And the text says, as a few of you just did, that Abraham falls on his face and laughs about this. And he says, I already have a son, I have Ishmael. And God says, I am going to bless Ishmael, but the covenant that I have planned is going to come through a baby that will come from Sarah's own old body. The fulfillment of God's calling. The fulfillment of God's promise is going to happen in a way that nobody would possibly expect. 
So Abraham hears this promise, and that's fine, but it's really important for Sarah to hear this promise too. And that's the story that we're going to listen to this morning. So let us listen now in the reading of Scripture for the word and the wisdom of God. This is the word of God for all people. This morning I'd like for us to think together for a few minutes about some of the themes that show up in this story. And the ones that stood out to me are the themes of hospitality, of scarcity, and of fulfillment. God's promises that Mary was talking about. 
These are such important things for us to be thinking about during this season of stewardship as we continue to dream together about what God wants to do in us and through us in this next year. Hospitality, scarcity, and fulfillment. So let's think about hospitality. In the beginning of this story, we read that the Lord appeared to Abraham, but it does not say that Abraham recognized that as being the Lord. Definitely later, once God starts making promises and things. But at the beginning, all that happens is that Abraham sees some strangers coming towards him. And even in a world structured along these really strict tribal lines and kinship lines, Abraham's first response is not to fear these strangers, but to welcome them. In the ancient world, hospitality was a matter of life and death in a way that it's not for most of us now. Because as you traveled in the ancient world, you couldn't stop at hotels and restaurants. There just weren't any. So you carried with you as much as you could, and then after that, you had to rely on the kindness of strangers. And because this was the case for everyone, extending hospitality was an enormously important virtue. Everyone did it. It was expected that you would welcome people into your home, even strangers who were traveling, and that you would give them what Abraham offers to these folks, a little water, a little bread, a little place to rest. But it was not simply a duty to extend hospitality. It was an honor. And people felt honored as they were received into one another's homes, which is why Abraham offers them a little bit, but actually gives them a lot. Abraham offers a little bread, but what he actually gives was probably about 30 loaves of the best, finest bread that he could make. Or actually, that Sarah could make, let's be honest about the bread bacon there. What he offers them is a little bread. What he gives them is 30 loaves of bread and veal. He offers them a little water. What he actually gives them is water and milk and yogurt and cheese. He offers a little, but he gives a lot. And that's before he has any idea that he's hosting the Lord. He thinks he's just hosting some strangers. It was an honor to extend hospitality to other people. And as people of faith, as descendants of Abraham and Sarah, we are also called to this value of radical hospitality. Here in this church, we say that we have a value of extravagant welcome. And my prayer is that the welcome that we provide as a community is just the sum of the welcome that we each offer as individuals. In the New Testament, the book of Hebrews chapter 13 encourages the early church to show hospitality because by doing that, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. It's hearkening right back to this early story of Abraham. And if we truly believe what we heard last week, which is that every person is created in God's image, then anytime we offer hospitality to anyone, we are hosting God. If we truly believe that whatever we do to the least of these, we do to Jesus, 
then any time we offer hospitality to a stranger, we are literally hosting the risen Christ. And that is such an honor. As we think together about stewardship, I very much hope that we're thinking about more than money. Because it's about way more than money. We're not worried about the money. Some of us have more time than money. Some of us may have resources like spare bedrooms, but not a lot of spare cash. And as we consider what it means for us to be good stewards, we want to think together about what kind of hospitality we're offering. Not just to our friends, but also to strangers as a congregation and as individuals? Are we seeking out those people in our community who need love and safety? Are we open to God seeking us out when someone in our community needs love and safety? It is impossible for us to have a generous spirit as a congregation if we're not cultivating generous spirits as individuals. And that generosity is what we're created for, and it's a joy and it's an honor. Next, let's think a little bit about scarcity. Because although Abraham and Sarah had plenty of extra resources to spend on their extravagant hospitality, they could afford to bake 30 loaves of bread. They were very poor when it came to family. God had promised them a great nation of descendants, but the two of them together had no biological children of their own. Abraham had thought originally that maybe one of his servants would inherit his possessions, but God nixed that idea. So then Abraham and Sarah conspired to have a son through Sarah's maid, Hagar. And although God promised that Ishmael would be blessed, Ishmael would not be the one through whom God's covenant would be established. And now they are both way beyond childbearing years, even for the ancient world. In a culture where family and inheritance meant everything, Abraham and Sarah had nothing. They were experiencing ultimate scarcity. In their situation, they had done everything they knew how to do, and they still had nothing to show for it. And some of you in this room know what that feels like. Maybe not in the area of family or kids, but in some other area. You have done everything you know how to do, and it's still not enough. And what I think God wants us to hear this morning is that it's not up to you. God knows what you have, and God knows what can be done with that. God didn't need what Abraham and Sarah didn't have. Let me say that again. God didn't need what Abraham and Sarah didn't have. God needed what they did have. And whatever we have is enough for God to use. Whoever you are is enough. Whatever you have is enough. God can use it. And what is so beautiful in this story is that even Abraham and Sarah's own fear of their scarcity wasn't enough to stop God from working in their lives and through their lives for the good of the world. Sarah says, we literally have no way to have a child. I'm old, he's old, we're done. We're done. 
And God replies, is anything too wonderful or too difficult for the Lord? No. God is not intimidated by our fear of our own scarcity. God sees what we have, and God knows what God is going to do with it if we're open. Which leads us to finally thinking about the fulfillment of God's promises. I got to tell you that one of the most annoying and confusing things to me about the Bible is that God often seems to speak so clearly, so much more clearly than I feel like God ever speaks to me. And yet, even with this really clear speech, people in the Bible doubt that they've heard God all the time. Which means that we are in very good company when we wonder if we've really heard from God. Four different times, God promises Abraham and Sarah that they are going to have this huge line of descendants. Four different times. And three of those four times, Abraham or Sarah or both of them laugh and argue. And yet, do you know what they're remembered for? Later in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, Abraham and Sarah are remembered for their faith, for their trust. After they've laughed, after they've doubted, still what they're remembered for is their ability to trust God's crazy promises. Their trust that God would do what God said God would do. Now, waiting and trusting are some of the hardest deepest, most important personal and spiritual growth work that we do as people of faith. Waiting is not fun. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally to us. And when we wait too long, it can be really difficult to maintain our hope and our trust in God, can't it? Abraham and Sarah waited for 25 years for what they believed God was going to do for them. So if you feel this morning like you are waiting for God to fulfill a promise, to answer a prayer, to help you understand something, if you are waiting, you are in good company. Because this story reminds us that a delay is not the same as the answer no. Now, when you're in the middle of the delay, it can be really hard to tell the difference, can't it? And that's where the trust comes in. Because regardless of what we're experiencing, regardless of how confused we feel, regardless of how long we have been waiting, the invitation is to trust that God is still good. To trust that God is still working in all things for our good. God promised Abraham and Sarah that their descendants would be people who were blessed in order to be a blessing to others. We are their spiritual descendants, and that is our calling in this world. We are blessed already, no matter what the situation is. We are called to be honored as we offer hospitality to strangers. We are blessed even when we feel like we have nothing left to give. 
We are called to invite God to use whatever it is that we do have. And we are blessed even and especially when we are waiting. And in that waiting, we are called to be people of deep trust. Amen. Amen.